one of the questions or the prompts that we always bring to our participants on our events is as follows. It goes, if you really knew me, you would know that. And then you're asked to fill that in and you're asked to run with that. And you're asked to do this with someone standing across from you or a group of people sitting there and paying attention to you. And it's an exercise that is very simple and it's very direct and it's very powerful because what we're asked to do is reveal parts of ourselves that we generally don't like to share. So I'm going to start this by doing it. So if you really knew me, Dan Doty, you would know that right now I am uncomfortable with everything that's going on. I feel in love with my newborn child, and yet I feel like I don't know him yet at all. I feel estranged from my wife just because we haven't been able to spend much time together, and that makes me sad. I feel very grateful for my parents and the support they've been showing me. I feel excited and overwhelmed by professional life and work and where things are going. Uh, If you really knew me, you'd know that I am craving physical activity more than any, any other time in my life. And I need a gym, I need a yoga studio, and I need it every single day. And I feel like I might get sick without it. If you really knew me, you would know that I miss my little brother and I haven't seen him in a long time or talked to him in a while. That's a little short window into my life right now. And I share it just because I want to be an example. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been on national television on the Today Show and been leading workshops all over the country. And we're engaging with people and really just saying, hey, we can talk to each other about these things we normally don't. And what it's been reflected back has been just overwhelmingly beautiful. And we're seeing people take these short little check-ins, these ability to share with each other what's more true and more real and more vulnerable, people are bringing it back and saying, hey, you know what? Now I'm having a conversation with my brother once a week. We're starting with a check-in. We're, we're starting with the things that we normally wouldn't say. And guess what? It's making our relationship stronger. I'm really grateful. I'm really proud of our team. I want to invite you all to go to our new website. We have the calm now. We're at everyman.com. We still have some bugs on the site. We're working it out this week, so I just ask for your forgiveness on any little errors you might see. We have a team on top of it right now. I want you to look at our events for 2019. Please check them out. We are starting to roll them out. We are going to be operating our open source retreat in new locations next year. We're going to be in the Midwest for sure. We're going to be on both coasts again, but we're also looking into maybe Texas. We're looking into the Pacific Northwest. We're also looking into our first potential international open sources as well. We're going to be running at least three or four melt trainings next year. It's going to be the men's emotional leadership training, which is a deep dive weekend into taking our work into your life and into your world to to lead with it. And then we're going to have a handful of wilderness expeditions. Uh, Right now, for sure, we're having them in Yellowstone. We're also looking at opening a few other locations too. So we would love to have you join us on any or all if you're so inclined. I also want to highlight our coaching program. So myself and Owen Marcus, my mentor and one of the co-founders of the company, Aaron Blaine, the director of the Veteran Integration Operation, also Dan McCombie, and Andrew Kippen, and a few other men. We are all coaches, and we all work with men individually as well as facilitate group events. So if coaching or working with one of us sounds like something that would be appropriate for you in your life, and what it really is is a laser beam focus that is helps accelerate who you are to drop deeper into who you are 
and go after what you truly want. And it's a process of really refining what you want. And we will supercharge and accelerate your ability to get there. So check that out. It's on our website, everyman.com. You can check out those events. You can check out the coaching. And now I want to introduce our guest. Our guest today is Chip Conley. Chip is the author of a book called Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder. And he's also the creator of the Modern Elder Academy, which you can find online at chipconley.com. Chip is something of a celebrity within the team at Everyman. Chip had a huge successful uh, hotel business. He was the founder and CEO of a company for a long time, and he sold it and then started a new chapter of his life at Airbnb. And in the tech world and in the, the whole Silicon Valley world, Chip has, has risen as a very important figure. I had a really good time connecting with Chip. I feel like he has a heck of a lot to offer the everyman community, especially for the men who are in that middle stage of life, who are really looking to double down on their value and what they can bring to the world in a world that more and more every day values youth and rewards it. So... With that end, I want to encourage you, check out our website, check out Chip's website, get out there, do some research, look around, dive in. Here we go. So we'll just jump right in. So you are laying down on the floor on a comfy <laughs> I'm not, you know, it looks like it because you can see me on video, but... Yeah, I, you know, they pad the walls here at Airbnb because, you know, they think we're all going crazy. Uh, but yes, I'm in a, I'm here at Airbnb where I've been for the last five and a half years as the modern elder amongst the millennials. So I, 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 I love it and I get that. So is that an actual term that you use there at the company or do, no, you, do you reference that or what is that? Let's go it, right it, there. Let's go right there. Uh, so my, my story is I've been... Yeah. I started a boutique hotel company called Joie de Vivre uh, at age 26, ran it for 24 years, sold it around my 50th birthday. Two years later, I was asked by the millennial co-founders of Airbnb to help take their little uh, tech startup and turn it into a, a global hospitality brand. Um, I was twice the age of the average employee in the company. I never worked in a tech company before. Mm. Um, Brian, uh, the CEO, uh, one of the co-founders, was 21 years younger than me. So I was reporting to him as the head of global hospitality and strategy, but I, he was also, I was his mentor. So it was an interesting relationship. The term modern elder uh, was coined by one of the co-founders who a couple of years into me being at Airbnb said, listen, the reason we have you here, Chip, is because it's almost like you're a modern version of an elder. Hmm. And, and what he meant by that was, um, uh, you uh, the the traditional elder dispensed wisdom, yeah. and um, but the modern elder is a wisdom seeker as much as they are the wisdom keeper, huh. and they they are the intern as much as they are the mentor. So while I was I guess perceived as wise when it comes to emotional intelligence, leadership skills, hospitality industry knowledge, strategic thinking, when it came to technology, I joined the company at age fifty two and not, had never been in a tech company before. So I was a complete beginner's mind. And so there's a lot of the things that I had to, to, to in order to be relevant here, I think the traditional elder was people revered. It was like they're held in reverence. Right. But the modern elder is all about relevance. And the difference being that relevance means you need to be learning as much as you're teaching. 
And um, that's a big shift for how we think of elders. We think of elders usually as the ones who just are teaching. And, yeah. I, and so I was called the modern elder here at Airbnb because people saw me as a new version of an elder. When they first said that word, when the word elder came out, did, how did that feel? Did that feel like, uh, awful, <laughs> awful. It sounds like elderly. I am an elderly man. Oh my God. No, I hated it. I hated it. It was like, really? Yeah. I'm the modern elderly. No, Chip, you're the modern <laughs> elder. And that's when I started realizing we needed to liberate the elder from the lead because there's really yeah. two different things. Yeah. Someone who's elderly, you know, 50 years ago, someone could be elderly at age 65, but today you're not elderly till often until about age 85. 80, yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah. you start being more dependent in your 80. Yeah. Uh-huh. But before that, since we have added we added 30 years to longevity in the US in, in the, in the 20, 20th century. Yeah. Um, longevity was 47 at age 19, in 1900, it was 77 in age two, 2000. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot more life available to us and it's often in our midlife. Mm. And so someone says, well, God, how can you be an elder? An elder, you know, isn't, listen, if you're 52 and you're surrounded by people who are 26, you are an elder. Yeah. Similarly, if you're 40, surrounded by people who are 28, you might be an elder as well. If there's a generational difference, there's often means that there's an elder. Why would I use elder rather than mentor? Mentor is a great term as well. Mm-hmm. But you, you could literally be a younger person mentoring someone else. Absolutely. That's yeah. called, we call it reverse mentorship usually. Mm-hmm. So mentorship's usually older to younger, but reverse mentorship's the opposite. But that's, it's all mentorship. And I think the world is full of mutual mentorship. The relevance of saying the word elder is to just say there are certain things we learn with time that we can actually pass on to someone else. And that is a different relationship than just maybe a mentor relationship. Yeah, it makes me, the first thing that, that strikes me there, which is how millennials are uh, described as valuing experience and meaningful experience first and foremost. And I think yeah. there's something interesting there to notice that, so in our groups or every man groups or retreats, there is always at some point in the experience, a reckoning or a recognizing mm-hmm. who's, who's the oldest man in the room, who's mm-hmm. been alive the longest, if you just yeah. put it in that simple term. And it's, it's often a very beautiful and meaningful thing. But, but mm-hmm. I think that I have also been in circles where, a young man will refer to the older man as an elder and they'll have that, they'll have that first initial, just like, I don't know yeah. how I feel about that. Yeah. But all right, just a couple things. I'll just get them out. Cause get them out, get them out. <laughs> but it's funny. So my, my wife teases me a lot because uh, we go to a social engagement or a party. Um, it takes like five minutes and I generally find the the older dude in the crowd to talk with mm-hmm. for for some for some reason i've drawn i've always i'm always comfortable there um I, it's maybe it's just social awkwardness for me with my peers i don't whatever it is but i i have always found such amazing value connecting uh with men either a generation or more older mm-hmm. than me or a decade or old or more older than me and I, and i i think to highlight maybe what I hear you saying is what I've always found with my mentors is that they did not sit above me and sort of drop their knowledge on me. They, mm-hmm. they did not, they did not like tell me how to live my life. Rather we experienced life together. And I just like 
gleaned and 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 received so much from them just in just in seeing them who they were the last thing i want to say one of my closest sort of mentors right now is is wrestling himself with this question what is what does elderhood look like for me and when i first mm saw your courses I, I i called him i called him immediately i'm like dude i think i think you should look into this because these questions you're wrestling with there's other people right there with you so that's a lot well, um, no that's great um you know we we have we do call childhood childhood and adulthood mm -hmm. adulthood but we really don't call elder the elder period of life elderhood not mm -hmm. not not there's not a lot of because it's frankly a, a hood nobody wants to be in <laughs> it's a dangerous hood sure. um so it's, it's the, the, I think part of what we're trying to do, you know, I wrote the book and then I created this modern elder Academy, partly and the book's called wisdom at work, the making of a modern elder, partly because I wanted to help make aging a little aspirational again. Um, yeah. but generally speaking, uh, once we get closer to midlife, we start thinking it's all downhill and it depends on what playing field you're playing on. If you're playing on the playing field of your physical state, yes. We, you know, our, our peak period for physicality may be our 20s. Yeah. And our peak, peak period for our salary could be around age 50. In Silicon Valley, it's 45. But our peak period for our emotions and our self-awareness and our humanity is frankly in midlife and beyond. Mm. And knowing that and recognizing that is um, a beautiful opportunity to say, how do you own that? And how do you actually offer that to the world? And you're talking about mentorship earlier. That the, the um, knowledge speaks and wisdom listens, and that's a famous mm -hmm. quote. And I think it's really relevant because you've spent a lot of time in wilderness. And one of the things that's interesting uh, is the owl is perceived as the wisest animal or bird in the forest. Yeah. And the re the reason is because the owl has the most attuned listening skills. Whoa! And so if you really think about it. An owl is wise, yeah. wisdom listens. And so part of what we have to learn with time is to move out of our interesting phase of our life and into our interested phase of our life, where our life is focused on being interested in people younger than us, listening to them, not just to their story, but for their story, because there's actually a thread in there a thread that we may be able to see that they don't see. And that process of being able to do that well is what defines an elder. <laughs> you just, you just lit me up. Like <laughs> you just really, that really lit me up. Thank wow. you. Wow. So, and, and did you, it was this, is this from your, <laughs> is this from yeah. your lived experience? At, yes. like, like the last couple, this is just what you. This is my lived experience. Wow. This is, I was not, I was not born an elder. And I frankly, yeah. you know, as I said to you a few minutes ago, I, when they first called me the modern elder, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be the modern elder. I, I'm chip. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm doing my best to make sure I, you know, so keep my hair short. So you don't see that I've got gray. Yeah. And, not, and not have a beard like I do right now, so you you don't see my gray. I did everything. I, listen, I this morning here at Airbnb, I saw an engineer who's fifty five. I've I've known him for two years here, and the guy almost considered putting Botox in his face. Right. Because if you're an engineer in 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 your mid fifties in Silicon Valley, whoa, you were you should have been put put out to pasture ten years ago. 
And so there's an element of, um, particularly in where where I live here in San Francisco, yeah. where a, a there's a there's a, a subtle ageism mm -hmm. that is uh, built into the the technology industry. So yeah, no, I can I can see that a lot of places. So this is it safe to say that from that point of of the fuck you, I'm not an elder, or yeah. I don't know what that means. Have you? Are you are you really like boldly, fully like all? Yeah. Are you you're I'm, all about it? I mean, it seems I'm like it. yeah. Obviously, I started I started an academy called the Modern Elder Academy, <laughs> and the subtitle of my book is the Making of a Modern Elder. So I <laughs> I, I I am clearly owning it. Um, yeah. What what I will say is that it's it's a hard one for some people to to digest, but mm. once people start to understand it and realize this is a new kind of elder, and yeah. And here's the reality. Power is cascading to the young like never before because yeah. of our increasing reliance on digital intelligence. And we're all going to live 10 years longer or more. Hmm. So do the math. Mm -hmm. if, if, if power is moving 10 years younger and we're going to live 10 years longer, we've created a 20-year irrelevancy gap for people in midlife and beyond. And yeah. the, what, what I'm trying to help people see is, you know, maybe you don't, you, you don't have to be irrelevant. If you can start to actually be both the intern and the mentor, and, and in my case, be relevant enough to know, I need to learn technology. If I'm gonna be one of the senior leaders at Airbnb with no technology background, I better get to know this industry really quickly yep. and marry that with my wisdom around hospitality and leadership and strategy and a few other things. But if I, if I took the course that would have been the easiest for me, I would have quit after about a month because I felt really dumb. I felt like I was the dumbest person in the room because I was coming into an industry that I had no experience with. Right. You know, what's interesting is, is sitting here and talking with you and seeing your face. Um, I feel like I could have pegged you anywhere between 42 and 57. How old are you, Chip? Uh, 57 now. Yeah. I turned 50, 58 next month. So, uh, yeah, no, I do. I do look a little younger, and I'm in good shape, and yeah, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think the thing that's interesting. I, I had a, I recently had a, um, a a talk with probably the most successful executive recruiter in the world, and we were talking about age. <clears throat> and what she said to me was fascinating. She said, "When someone is curious and engaged in what they're doing, the wrinkles seem to fade away." Mm -hmm. And what she meant by that is there are a lot of us who are in midlife and worried about trying to figure out how to package ourselves for LinkedIn or for job interviews in a world that seems to not care about people who are, say, 45 and older. Mm -hmm. um, and yet uh, what she's saying is, you know, if you are engaged with what you're interested in and you're curious by nature, what you start to feel from the person is their energy. Right. And when someone's got that kind of energy that feels like it's full of like this vite, this elan vital, this like this vitality of life, um, then when someone has that, you don't notice what their age is. They become a bit timeless. And that's, you know, an opportunity for all of us in life. You know, it's mm -hmm. similarly when someone's wise beyond their years and they're in their 20s you start to realize I'd, I've forgotten that they're 26 years old. Um, so 
so yeah, it's all, and it's so all of this required a lot of vulnerability too, because it was me getting clear about my fear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and vulnerability is the, the, the name of the game. What we're encouraging men to do. Do you feel like, do you see, what have you seen in terms of vulnerability? Are these young go-getters willing to be vulnerable? Are, are, is there a difference in, in the, in the age gap in terms of that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, here's the good news in terms of men. I, I think that men, uh, in who, men who are millennials and let's <clears throat> say 38 or younger, 39 or younger, maybe, um, generally are more in touch with their emotions than Gen Xers or boomers. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a boomer. Um, and why is that? Well, maybe because maybe we started to actually be more open to men at a younger age or boys at a younger age showing emotions. And, you know, the, the, sex, the, the fluidity of male, female gender may, may have actually blended a little bit more um, yeah. uh, in, in, um, in the, the newer generations. And that's a good thing because it actually means you, I, I definitely see in mentoring uh, both men and women, but it's, but, on this subject, men around the subject of their vulnerability, they are very open to owning their vulnerability. They're mm-hmm. yet, yes, in the Silicon Valley world, there's a certain amount of hubris. Mm-hmm. And you see it from, you saw it from Travis at Uber. Um, yeah. It's part, part of the reason he left, he lost his job. He could have used a modern elder, that Travis at Uber. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Brian at, here at Airbnb has got some hubris. It t- took that to go out and you know get investors to invest. But I think what he's learned over time is the process of wisening up is moving from hubris to humility. Mm. And that process is part of what an elder can help you with yeah. is because that's what we do. Um, so, but so vulnerability is sort of, I think better. The good news is I think younger men are, are there. What I see in the Academy, modern elder Academy, where it's almost all boomers and gen Xers, mm-hmm. is a lot of men almost deer in the headlight where they're like 50 years old and they're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Excuse my, my language, but I'm quite bewildered by where I am. I, how did, how did power shift so much younger so quickly? It's like, I'm Rip Van Winkle. One guy said this the other day at the Academy. He said, I'm Rip Rip Van Winkle. I think I felt like I've gone to sleep for five to seven years Mm. and the way the world works is so different and I'm out of it. And I, and so there's that bewilderment. Then there's the anxiety of like, okay, how can I get relevant again? And then there's the fear. And then there's the unwillingness to talk about it. And that's what leads some men to, you know, unfortunate paths of, to suicide or to depression or yeah. to um, a variety of other, uh, other health outcomes that aren't so good. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if uh, what we're doing at every man, actually, let me say this, I actually hope in five, 10, 15 years, every man is irrelevant because the younger people are so willing to talk about what's happening to them that, you know, us, <clears throat> maybe what we're doing is just a snapshot of time right now. And there's enough mm-hmm. men around who are still really scared to do so, uh, you know, because the statistics are scary and it, it's interesting to know what the actual reality is. The statistics about, about suicide and depression and violence are really impactful and yeah. yet on the ground with young people. Um, but again, it's a snapshot of men who are coming to us and they're already willing, right? If they're coming to us, they're willing to, to open up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do hope that 
that what we do are doing is is uh irrelevant and the sooner the better to be honest yeah yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, it, you know, there's, a, there's a lot. It's a fascinating time in society in terms of male and female roles and every, everything in between. Um, so, oops. I, where did I, I lost you for Did you lose me? Yeah, where are you? So sometimes it goes into a little tiny window and then it gets. Yeah, I know it does that. And unfortunately, it didn't. Oh, here we go. Here we go. You got me. Huh. Where did it? Let me see if it went back here. There we are. There we are. I got you. No. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, you know, one of the things that's been interesting at the academy is uh, it's about fifty percent men, fifty percent women, average age of about fifty-two, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think men seem more in need of it, mm-hmm. partly because they don't have the social crucible that women have created. W- women, when women with their women friends have typically created an environment where they have the space to go through transitions. What's interesting about life is this. We tend as society, we tend to create rites of passage and rituals um, during transitional times for people in their life. Right. Think about puberty. You have bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, quinceanera. Uh, When you go from adolescence to adulthood, you have a commencement ceremony because you're graduating from something. Um, when you get married, you have a wedding. When you have a baby, you have a baby shower. When you die, you have a funeral. But between baby shower and funeral, nada. There's nothing. Right. And, that, and so that's really what we're focused on is how do we help create some rituals to help people understand that in midlife, you actually have a whole collection of transitions that maybe didn't exist in the year 1900 when longevity was 47 years old in the US. But you have, you know, potentially divorces, you have, in some cases, you become a widow or widower. Um, In some cases, you're going to change your job or career, empty nest syndrome, where, you know, your kids are left, you have left and um, menopause. Uh, For men, there's something called andropause, which is sort of the male version of that. And, um, and disease and things. I mean, I, I'll be really honest here. I just found out in the last two weeks that I have intermediate stage prostate cancer. Mm. Wow. That was, that's, um, you know, this is not something, frankly, that millennials talk about because you don't get prostate cancer typically in your twenties or your thirties, but I'm turning 58 next month and it's early to be getting it. And it's early to have an intermediate uh, uh, diagnosis. So hmm, now I am in a world where I need to process that, that transition in my life. So uh, the, the point of all this is to say the transitions you have in midlife are, why do we not talk about them? <laughs> why, yeah. is it, why is it that we, yeah. we th- somehow, do, and we don't have rites of passage. And so uh, the, the Modern Elder Academy is the first midlife wisdom school in mm-hmm. the world. Um, I've been on the board of, of the Esalen Institute in Big Sur for many years and I've taught there. But um, Esalen's an amazing place. It's really sort of the preeminent personal growth retreat center in the U.S. And yet, it is not focused on midlife exclusively. Mm-hmm. It does not have a curriculum that, that everybody sort of works with. Um, you know, if, if you're on faculty at Esalen, you come and you do your thing there. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful place in Big Sur. But our program is, you know, there's a curriculum. We have guest faculty. Each week has a, a certain um, theme but 80% of the core curriculum is the same uh, for every week. So 
Yeah, and that core curriculum, just in a nutshell, like what are the, what's just the basics that you guys are working with and practicing? So the, in my book, Wisdom at Work, uh, I, I sort of talk about the four lessons I learned. And then I t- went out and talked to 150 people who I interviewed for the book. And the, 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 the program at the academy is very much uh, focusing on those four lessons. The first lesson is evolve. The second one is, le- is learn. The third one is collaborate. The fourth one is counsel. So let me take you through those really briefly. Mm-hmm. So evolve, this is actually the hardest one. Because for, for many people, they are so wedded to their historical identity and knowledge that they're not open to, it's almost like taking the name tag off and saying, okay, I no longer have that identity. Right. I, no, I no longer have that knowledge. And for me at Airbnb, I, had, I joined a, a tech company. I had to realize that I'm, I'm, I'm no longer the smartest guy in the room who understands hospitality. Um, I had to be open to being a get beginner. I had been CEO of my company, um, the boutique hotel company that, you know, go from one person, me to 3,500 people when I sold it. And so now all of a sudden I'm not the CEO anymore. I'm not the, you know, the, the leader I'm here to support the three millennial leaders. Um, so that process of evolving is hard for people because it's, it's destabilizing. It puts right. you. It puts you in what's called an, a liminal space. Yep. When you're in liminal space, you're in between two things, and and so that's not easy. But that's the first thing we help people with. That gets them to, and that's chapter four in the book. Chapter five in the book is about learn, and and it gets a little bit easier with each each of the next uh, lessons. The learn lesson is hard, but it actually takes you back to saying, what would it be like to be a four year old? and ask why and what if questions. Because generally, as we get older, we ask a lot of what and how questions because they're sort of optimization questions. Sure. Yeah. But um, we help people to sort of see, like asking naive, catalytically curious questions and exercising something called appreciative inquiry, which is a form of asking questions that really opens up a, a conversation. All of that allows for you as an elder to be the modern elder because you're the intern as much you are, as you are the mentor. Hmm. And so we teach all of that. Um, the third uh, lesson is collaborate. Yep. And, that, and that's really tapping into your emotional intelligence and maybe even creating a mutual mentorship relationship. At Airbnb, I often had that mutual mentorship relationship where I was learning DQ from someone 20 years younger than me, DQ being digital intelligence, tech tools, how to use my iPhone better, you know, how to use Instagram. Um, and then they were learning EQ for me. So right. it was, it was a DQ for EQ trade agreement and the EQ being leadership skills, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, you know, a variety of things like that. And then the fourth lesson is counsel and counsel speaks to the idea of, frankly, when we think of an elder, that's almost the first thing we think of. And to me, it's the fourth thing you do because frankly, if in a relationship with someone younger than you, you go straight to counsel first, you've become the parent. Got it. And the challenge you have as an elder with people younger than you is that people will see you as the parent. And if they see you as the parent, they will shut down potentially and <laughs> sure. they won't listen to you the same way. And this is why knowledge sure. speaks and wisdom yeah. listens. And it really requires understanding what does it mean to listen and yeah. to also determine what kind of counselor are you going to be here if someone's looking for your counsel? Is it a performance-oriented 
inquiry that they have, or is it development oriented? Like performance oriented tends to be short term. And it's like they need to they need to ha figure out how to increase their sales, and and yeah. they they want you to they want you to help solve that. And in that case, you're you're the you're the person speaking more because you're speaking knowledge. But if it's a development oriented thing, with it, how can I be a better leader? Hmm. How can I how can I have my people believe in me more? That becomes a process of actually building a set of skills. Um, as opposed to the transactional other side. And that's when you really have to listen to the person and, and help them to understand how they see themselves. So it's, um, there's a, so the, book, the book and the academy really speaks to the idea at the end of the day that um, an elder is definitely a counselor and an advisor, yep. um, but, they, but they do that at a point where the person is absolutely thirsty for it. That's so interesting. So I spend a lot of my time um, a good portion of my time counseling and mentoring and coaching. Uh, I have a coaching practice as part, as part of what we do at Everyman. And my niche and my specialty is young men. Oh, I mean, I, I'm 36, right? So I'm, I'm a millennial, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the, the men that, I, that come to me consistently are between the ages of 27 and 32, 33. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like there is a, there's a rite of passage uh, that we're addressing with, with this mm -hmm. specific age that when men are stepping up into life and saying, okay, I'm ready for the real deal. I'm ready for the big thing. I'm ready to make commitments. And I think commitment is the word that um, yeah. tends, tends to come out at that stage. It's like, I'm, I'm ready to maybe commit to a family or, or a partner. Mm -hmm. I'm also yep. ready to commit to, to building something big. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm curious as to what you see. So to me, that's, that's some marker, some, some, ceremony should happen there yeah and then is there is the next one elderhood or there must be something else in there i don't know what well, you... uh, the commitment marker is just speaks to you know a wedding also potentially would be sure there's also a commitment to you know whatever career you might be yeah. on although although yeah. the thing that's really interesting about millennials today is like it's like older people look at this and think that they're flaky but no it's like they're just they're not they're not stuck on the same three three stage model of life we had which is learn till you're 25, earn till you're 65, and then retire yeah. till you die. No, you can, you can literally, you know, mix it in there. So you're going to have a career doing this for three years, then you're going to take six months off and like, like figure something else out. And then I'm going to go try to do that, that. So I love that, that people are sort of becoming a little bit less um, attached to just the corporate ladder. Um, but yeah, I think between when they're committing uh, to, relationships life potentially children etc um and there could elderhood could be the next place it, i the thing that's odd about elderhood is it could be it could happen generally speaking starting it in your 40s got it and and, and you're i mean you're in, in some ways you're an elder for these younger people who yeah. are not that much younger than you yeah. you have you have enough experience so that you're you're wise beyond your years and so um I, you know, I, there's clearly a transitional point in midlife that mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, probably somewhere around age 50 that is deserves a some kind of celebration. And it could be a 50th birthday party, but a birthday party alone isn't enough. Um, so I would just say, um, you know, it, in many cases, being able to figure out your own ritual, the thing yeah. that you want to ritualize. For some, it's the empty nester. Like when someone has babies, they grow up in the children, 
they ultimately leave at age whatever. Although you millennials, you don't leave very, you know, you, you come back. You're, you're still living. You're, I, I'm seeing you at your home. This is your, your parents' home right now, right? <laughs> no. no um, so um, but the, the fact is that, you know, empty nest, that's a, that's a big one. This is a big yeah. one because frankly, it's when couples actually have to like come face to face with each other and say, you know, yeah. we, we, the, kid, the kids have been binding us together. Um, so, you know, I think, I think people, if people could actually sort of almost have an a la carte menu saying mm -hmm. he, here are 10 transitions that happen uh, between age 35 and pay age 65, which are the ones that are most important to you? And then how are you going to ritualize them? Wow. It would be great to go to that a la carte restaurant and say, okay, help me. Now that I know that here's the one I want to do, I want to do the empty nest one. Yep. Tell me, tell me what are the rituals and things I could do it. That would be a beautiful website. So you actually just explained what we're building. That's literally what we're building. Like this modular pick and choose. Where are you in life? Like, you know, and, and here's the amazing thing is that our groups are literally designed as these open source containers where, mm -hmm. you know, what the group needs now, what each man needs now. And so it's so cool because I, I think, you know, we do have a lot of men in their 40s and 50s and 60s in our community. I think, first of all, I want to send them to you for reference and for, mm -hmm. for, for context and for learning. Yeah. But I do believe that we can do exactly what you said. Just have, have this just like big pile of, of call it modules. And so what we do already, and I've done dozens, if not hundreds of times, is, is be able to take a setting like a men's group, right? So a once, once a week get together. And I do describe it as an ongoing uh, choose what you need rite of passage. It really is that. That's, that's how that space performs a lot of times. Right. And so it's so cool to, I love the task of uh, looking out and, and, and yeah, maybe breaking down and let's see what those different transitions are because uh, I'm doing it for younger men all the time. And, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm 36. I look forward a lot and, and I actually mean that in both ways. I look ahead, but I also look mm -hmm. forward to life. And um, I, I also work with a lot of men who are terrified of getting older they're right you know that's just like this is it now and so whether it's physical stuff changing or whatever there's a lot of fear there so i love this like ongoing rolling basis like we can be we can be supported for whatever we need right now and uh, yeah thank you for that you just you just help put frame and yeah. word, words to what we're working on already i would love to see that yeah. i think it's a it's a great yeah. idea and yeah. yeah so yeah i'm just curious as to as you go through this and have gone through this transition and, and in light of, of um, you know, he hearing a recent diagnosis, I'm curious as to what, what has been most important and impactful for you and what's your, you know, kind of big, like what you're most proud of, what you're, mm. what, you're, what you're wrestling with at this stage of your life. Well, I really love that my life has been full of discovery and mm. um, that thought that, you know, could I be curious at age 95? Yes, I could. Uh, P Peter Drucker, famous management theorist, you know, t lived till age 95. And every two years, he would find a new subject that he wanted to just devour and become a world's leading expert in that had nothing to do with being a business professor or author or management theorist. So I think the idea that we um, having curiosity be like a, a life affirming elixir is something I'm proud of. And I continue to live and um, I appreciate the fact that uh, what could have been a bit of a debacle joining Airbnb uh, 
and and feeling in at, in many ways out of it, like just really like, whoa, this is not my habitat. Um, being able to sort of get to a place of saying, wow, this um, this could be my habitat, and and then being able to tell my story, and then literally creating the academy. Proud of all that. Um, I you know I think that where I have lots to learn still is, uh, and I think this this cancer diagnosis will be interesting. You know, your prostate. You know. I wouldn't normally talk about this, but the, your your podcasts, your audience, perfect fit. The prostate is a male thing. It's okay. not a female thing. It's it's human, but it is a male thing, and it speaks to everything from your masculinity right. to, in some cases, it can relate to unexpressed anger mm. and elements of you know what is it that you're you haven't been able to metabolize. Um, and so I think my process, since this is very new diagnosis of learning and, and diving into, you know, where, what's my perspective on my masculinity? What's my perspective on what, what do I have from childhood that I haven't really completely um, metabolized, so to speak? Um, it'll, I think that's going to be a, an interesting lesson for me in terms of knowing that, um, you know, hopefully I don't have to have my prostate taken out because that's a, that's a pretty serious surgery and there's definitely implications afterwards. Mm. Um, but I think the process of me being present emotionally uh, and especially with my, my masculinity, that's, that's not easy. It's like in some ways uh, I, I got the news while I on the second day of my book tour, the day before I'm giving a Ted talk at Ted headquarters. And that was nuts because I was like, I didn't have any time for it. And it's only yesterday when I got back to San Francisco after two week book tour, um, the start of it, that I was able to literally sit with this. And I, as I sat with it, it was like, oh, I, it didn't feel good. And that's okay. That's the, part, that's the part I think that we all have to sort of get used to is like, listen, when, when we get in touch with our emotions, when we get in touch with being vulnerable, it's <laughs> at the end of the day, it will be feel better when, once you're through it. But in the middle of it, it sometimes doesn't feel good. Uh, and, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's but better, better to metabolize it and move through it than to somehow try to avert it or pretend it doesn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. Then again, that's the, you're putting better words to what we're trying to do than I could ever do mm -hmm. it. Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah. And I immediately, I feel uh, guilt for keeping you here when you could, when you, when you're home and you've been so, I mean, it's not real, but you know, just yeah, notice, yeah. noticing what I feel in the moment. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, what, a, I mean, you know, having been at, on the board at Esalen, it, it sounds like you have been willing and open to, to deeper personal work mm -hmm. along the way. Is that all, all along the way or was there a, yeah, that shifted? That, or? That's, um, that's something that I think I realized early in my twenties that mm. um, I felt different. I felt, uh, I felt like there was something inside of me that I wasn't totally um, connected to. And I, I, I felt a little bit, um, sort of maybe emotionally inert and so I needed this I needed Esalen I needed a bunch of other workshops I did and some therapy I did to just help me to uh, embody my emotions better and um, so I feel yeah and one of the things that people that I think has been beautiful at this age is to know that all of that work I did at Esalen or at you know meditation work I've done and 
mindfulness work I've done, it's it all it initially it felt like it was so, so divorced from the rest of my life and, and my or I'm sorry, so divorced from my career life, my my work life. And what's so interesting is that um, one of the things that people really appreciate about me in in my role today is that I have you know what they call presence yeah so what your your present ship like your yeah. the opposite your, the opposite of presence is absence and a lot of people in modern society with their iphones and smartphones feel absent because they're distracted yeah. and so my process of having presence is a combination of all the things i've learned in my personal growth process that's helped me to get to where i am today and and ironically, that is very integrated in my career life. And who knew? I mean, I didn't know that when I started studying meditation in my 20s or somatic kind of um, exercises and became a massage therapist and also you know, learned, learned how to enjoy massage in all kinds of new ways, all of that has really helped create the person that I am today. Yeah. And my level of authenticity as well as vulnerability in the workplace is part of why people have written articles about me and say saying that i'm a vulnerable visionary and i think there's an interesting element it's not just that it's alliteration of two v's but the idea of being vulnerable and a visionary at the same time is is something people sort of couldn't imagine but i think they're starting to imagine more it means that you're being real about you know, the fears of life and what's, what's going on, but at the same time, confident and, you know, and external and um, forward facing enough with a certain um, uh, optimism yep. that that vision helps to become a North star for people. Um, so that the vulnerability allows people to be self-aware and maybe authentic so that they don't have to put up a front mm. and, and the visionary helps them to, to guide around each other. Mm -hmm. and, and say, we're in this together. And so that's part of how I've operated as a leader. That's so, so well said and so needed and so lovely <coughs> to hear you share that experience. And in some ways I see, and I hope that this show is like almost a bank or a library mm -hmm. of men saying, here's my success in the world and here's my softer vulnerable parts. And that's like just to destigmatize. And I think even <laughs> more importantly, I just had one of my moments. I, ha I just had a moment where when you just shared that, that vulnerable visionary, I had that same feeling I've had many times of, I think I've always laid, labeled it mentorship, but, but that's the, the experience I just had was like, gosh, you, you have done or are doing what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I don't, I just had, it had a ring, it has a ring of truth to it. So I really appreciate you for saying that. And I appreciate you for, for what you have done because really like that is, that's what I'm trying to do, but not only for myself, but that's what I'm trying to help other men be able to do also. Yep. And um, so thank well, you. I really mean that. Yeah. Well, we learn from each other yeah. too. So uh, you're doing yeah. great work. You're doing great work as well. And I think it's, yeah. We're all in this together. Yeah. Well, that's about as powerful and pointed of a place as I think we could we could end on. Is there anything yeah. else you wanna you wanna share or, or 
No, I mean, people who want to learn more about what, what I'm doing is you can just go to chipconley.com and yeah. you'll see the Modern Elder Academy there and as well as my new book, Wisdom at Work, Making a Modern Elder. That's my fifth book. And um, yeah, and I do, I write a lot of articles on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn profile. So if somebody wanted to just read some of those, they're welcome to go there as well. Cool. I just read one that was advice for a, a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year old and it was yeah. fantastic. So yeah, thank I like you. that one. Thank you. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. It's great to be with you. I feel like there should be some kind of like hidden prize that you get when you listen to the very end all the way through the podcast and then you listen to the last little bit of recording here. Uh, Shoot me an email. Give me any idea. Maybe maybe we'll send out popsicles or ice cream cones or something through the mail. You should feel good about absorbing that whole talk. I feel good about it. I'm glad you've been here. Last thing I'll say is go to our website, everyman.com. Check out Chip Conley at his website, chipconley.com. We have men's groups. We have retreats. We have wilderness expeditions, and we have coaching. You can see all of our events, all of our offerings at everyman.com. That's E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.C-O-M. You can find us at Facebook, at Instagram. I'm not going to tell you the handles because you're just going to look it up anyway, and that's how we find everything now. So. Thank you for listening and I appreciate your time and your attention and I hope you have a great week.